about tonight. First off, I'm excited that you're here. Uh, a few of you guys, this is your first time here, so welcome. Uh, we hope you feel welcome. Alex Hayes will welcome you personally in the back. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, but yeah, we we are really excited about what God's doing uh, in our midst. Uh, and as summer's coming up, wait, that was your guys' opportunity as college students. As summer's coming up, yes. and for those of you who work, for those of you who work, you're just like, yeah, summer, whatever. It used to be fun. There's volleyball in the summer. Yeah, there's volleyball in the summer. Well, hey, as, as summer's coming, our numbers normally get bigger during the summer, so this place is going to get fuller. Uh, so that means get early, uh, get here earlier so you can get better seats, uh, even though all the seats are good here because that means you're in them, which is great. Um, but, guys, I'm really excited. We're starting a new series tonight, and it's a series uh, that I've kind of been – uh, mulling over in the back of my head, uh, been kind of not wrestling with, but like, all right, God, how are we going to do this? I don't know when we're going to do this, but I know it needs to happen, and I know there needs to be uh, some clarity because we talk about this stuff all the time in church. And uh, God, do the people really know what we're talking about? Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, and, and, and so I hope that this series tonight, uh, that we're starting tonight, and we're going to go over for the next four weeks. Uh, everyone said, whoa, Matt's doing a four week series? So Joel says, you mean like six weeks. No, we're going to do it in four. We're going to do it in four. And, and he's being nice to me, I know. No, we're actually going to do this in four. Famous last words. The series is only going to last four weeks. Uh, no, but legitimately, we're going to do it in four weeks. Uh, and we're going to tackle a kind of a big, uh, a big topic in Christianity, a big topic in the church. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. All right. Woo! Yeah. Amen. Uh, and so the the title of the series, I know it's really hard to see up here. It looked way better on the computer screen. Uh, but the title of the series, uh, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to, I've got a lot of pencils and pens in the back. I know a lot of you guys use your smartphones now, which is great. Uh, but I encourage you to take notes, not because I think I've got something good to say, uh, but because I think God's word has something good to say. Uh, and God's word is true, and it is for us, both uh, here, now, always has been for us, and always will be for us. Uh, so we really need to pay attention to what God's word has to say. And the title of the message, or the series, uh, is Clarity. Okay? Clarity. Everyone say clarity. Clarity. All right, now say it clearly. Clarity. clarity. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the subtitle is Clarity, the Holy Spirit, and You. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, what the Holy Spirit does in us, who the Holy Spirit is, what He does through us. We're going to talk all about the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and many of us probably have different backgrounds. Uh, many of us probably have heard different things, have read different things, uh, and there seems to be a lot of 
questions uh, in the church today. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? How does he move? And we're going to tackle those things tonight, and we're going to do them biblically, okay? Uh, Because there's only one way to approach uh, anything, and that's through the lens of the Bible. Uh, Because we believe unequivocally that the Bible is inerrant, and it is the only authority there is, okay? The Bible is the ultimate and only authority. So we're going to look at that through uh, Scripture. So the series, Clarity, the Holy Spirit in You. Tonight's message, the title uh, is Forgotten Power, okay? Uh, So write down, if you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is Forgotten Power, okay? So what we're going to do as as we're going through uh, the scriptures, we're just going to really look at what God's word has to say uh, throughout the entirety. We're going to be spending a little little bit of time tonight uh, in the Old Testament. So if you guys can just get like a little jump start, uh, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. When was the last time you were in 2 Chronicles? Yesterday. Props. Uh, 2 Chronicles. Uh, it's, it's in the Old Testament. That's the one before the new one. Uh, and, and Right, right? Mind blown. Woo. Uh, so we're in 2 Chronicles, and we're going to be in chapter 6. Okay? So when you get there, let me know by saying holla. And if you aren't there yet, let me know by saying hold up. I got some hold ups, I got some hollas, I got some holla ups. I don't know what a holla up is. <laughs> Sounds like a kind of uh, vegetable. Uh, but if you're all there, let me know by saying holla. We all there? Any hold-ups? Oh, one hold-up. We're almost there. All right, guys. We're not going to read it yet. I just want you guys to keep your Bibles open to that portion of Scripture. Sound good? Uh, But I want to remind us all, um, how many of you have ever heard of the tabernacle before? Anyone ever heard of a tabernacle? Uh, Who knows what the tabernacle is? Okay, so you've heard of it. Now, if you're brave, how many of you want to raise your hand and say, I know what the tabernacle is? Okay, a few of us. That's good. That's good. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, Moses, we all know who Moses is, right? Moses uh, lived in Egypt at a time where the Hebrews were slaves in Egypt. And God tells Moses through a burning bush, he says, hey, you're going to lead my people free from Egypt. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says some very famous words, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? Okay. And so then there's this thing called the Exodus. There's actually a whole book about it. It's the Exodus. It's the Hebrews leaving Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And while they're wandering around in the tabernacle, I mean, in the wilderness, God gives Moses uh, the plans for the tabernacle. This was going to be the house of God. Everyone say, house of God. House of God. Yes. Yes, it's a big tent, okay? Uh, And the book of Exodus has a lot, a lot of descriptions of what the tabernacle is to look like. So then they build a tabernacle, and Moses, he says this prayer, and they dedicate it to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, boom, from the middle of the sky, shoots this flaming pillar, and it lights up the altar, okay? Catches on fire, big time. God's glory, God's presence fills the tabernacle with fire. Kind of a cool little story. It's amazing. And we're going to talk about just soon uh, how amazing this really is. So then after some time, this tabernacle would go with them wherever they went. Okay. So as they're wandering, as they're traveling, they pack up the tabernacle. When they go to set up camp, they set up the tabernacle. Okay. A lot of work. And so uh, eventually uh, the Israelites, uh, they settled down uh, in what is now modern day Israel, uh, in Canaan, uh, the land of milk and honey. Great times. How many of you guys had Honey Nut Cheerios? 
Yeah, okay, milk and honey. No. Um, but yes, yeah, so they settle down here, and, and a few things happen. They have a few judges. Then they have this king whose name is Saul. Anyone ever heard of Saul before? Okay, Saul's not the greatest guy. Uh, and so then they have this guy named David who becomes king, okay? And David's like a warrior. He's a poet. He's kind of like a man's man. He's a ladies' man also. He's kind of just like a stud, right? Uh, and he has this... Uh, vision and this dream that he wants to do something great for God. He says, God, you are so great, you are so magnificent, you're so powerful. Uh, you shouldn't be living in a tent. We're going to build you a gigantic temple. We're going to build you a gigantic building, a gigantic edifice. And God's like, hey, that's a great idea, but guess what? You're not going to do it. You're not going to build it. I know it's your dream, I know it's your vision, but you're not going to build it. And David's like, all right, that's all good. God lets him know, hey, it's because you're a warrior. That's your job. Your hands aren't clean. But you are going to raise the person who's going to build it. Okay, David has a son named Solomon. And David prepares Solomon uh, to build the temple. So when Solomon becomes king, Solomon builds the temple for the Lord. Okay, you guys all tracking? We went from tabernacle to temple. And this is where we're going to pick up. In our story, so everyone there, uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 6, I'll give five skittles to the person who can tell us what verse we're starting in. I actually haven't even said it yet. Wait, 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 wait. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles. 12. Chapter 6. 12. We're starting in 6.14. No, that was close. We're starting in 6, 6.41, so 14 just switched around. This is what it says, and it says this. This is Solomon. Solomon has built the temple, all the people. It took him seven years to build this temple, Okay. Seven stinking years to build this thing. And now Solomon is going to dedicate this thing to the Lord, and he's going to pray. And this is what he prays. He says this, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord, do not turn away your face from your anointed, and remember the mercies of your servant David. Then picking up chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed and burnt, uh, uh, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord was on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worship and praise God, saying, for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much, um, God, that your mercies uh, do endure forever. Uh, God, you are a God of goodness. You're a God of kindness. You're a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. Uh, God, you're a God of power. Uh, and so, God, we just thank you uh, that we have the opportunity uh, God, just to come and to read your word. God, I just pray that tonight, uh, as we spend these next few moments looking at uh, your scripture, God, I pray that your uh, word would inspire us, God, that it would encourage us, and it would challenge us. Uh, God, that, that maybe some things we've never thought about before, God, your word would challenge us to think about them, uh, God, and to make a stand on what we truly believe. God, I just pray that uh, tonight, these wouldn't be my words, uh, but God, that I would lay my own pride, my own ego aside, uh, God, and I would allow you to speak through, God. May your perfect word uh, ring true. 
Uh, God, anything that would be of me may have fallen deaf ears or may not even be able to get it out of my mouth. But God, may your perfect word uh, come through. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. So we got this story here uh, of the tabernacle. Now we've read a portion of scripture talking about the temple, okay? Some pretty amazing things happen uh, in this portion of scripture. We see um, that they pray. Solomon prays uh, that God uh, would fill this place and the glory of the Lord fills the temple and it is done with a gigantic flame. Okay, boom, the fire comes down from heaven and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Now let's fast forward a little bit. We're going to fast forward to the New Testament. Everyone ever read the New Testament before? All right, the New Testament, it's just probably a few more pages over uh, to the right. But we're going to look at the New Testament because something happens in the New Testament. We, as believers, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Write that down, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It tells us that we are now the temple of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are the temple of God. God no longer is going to reside in a building, but he's going to reside uh, in a body. The Spirit lives in us. Romans 8, verse 9, you can write that down if you want to. Romans 8, 9 says, If any man has not the Spirit of God, then he is not God's. So if you put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit takes up residence in you. Okay, The Holy Spirit takes up residence and is at home in you. 1 Peter tells us that we are living stones that are put together to build the dwelling place of the Lord. So we are all living stones. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you are, are a living stone. Not a rolling stone, that's a band. Okay, you're not the rolling stones, you're the living stones. Okay, and the living stones... It's a bad time for me to tell you guys to talk to each other because now I lost all okay. <laughs> Living stones being put together to build the dwelling place of the Lord. We are the temple, and there is a big shift in God's whole plan and in really the history of spirituality. God's presence, God's spirit, God now resides no longer in a building but in a body, and that is the body of Christ. And this is something that John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist, Prophesied. He said, okay, I'm coming, I'm baptizing you with water. Woo, really cool thing, okay? But there's going to be one greater than me who comes, the Messiah, who we know is Jesus, who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Water's cool, fire's awesome, okay? And John the Baptist says, hey, someone is going to come who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles, because I think it's important uh, for us to read the Bible when we come to church, right? All right, so turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. This is the beginning of the church, okay? And this is what Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says. And we're going to come back to this, and we're really going to nail this verse home uh, for the next four weeks. But it says this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So up until this point, who is the Holy Spirit? We don't know. But we are told that he is the one who gave power to the prophets of old, and he's present in creation. 
But that's really all we know about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, hey, stay here a little bit longer. Stay in Jerusalem a little bit longer until you will receive the promise of the Father. That is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses. And we're going to drive home that witness part uh, in just a little bit. But probably not tonight. Probably picking up next week. But this is what it says. Uh, turn with me, if you will, just one page over. Or maybe it's on the same page in your Bibles. But to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 says this. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared on them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat on each of them. Whoa, what on earth is this? And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. And there were, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. So what happens? The disciples, there's about 120 of them, they're chilling up in the upper room and they're all just praying because Jesus told them to do something. He said, wait in Jerusalem. So what do they do? They wait in Jerusalem, because when Jesus tells you to do something, you do it, okay? And so they're waiting here in Jerusalem, because Jesus said, hey, wait here in Jerusalem. And so what are they doing? They're praying. They're in one accord. They're praying, and they're saying, Father, send the promise of the Father. We want to receive this power from the Holy Spirit. God, and they're praying, and they're all believing the same thing. And then something happens. Whoosh. That really wasn't the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That was just a mighty rushing blow. Uh, there was some spit. Sorry, front row. Um, but there's the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and something happens. Fire fills the house again. And they began to speak in unknown tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterances. But here's the deal. God, wherever God is, God fills that place with fire. Where his presence is, there is fire. Where his presence is, his spirit is. And so we've seen the tabernacle. We've seen the temple, and now it has shifted from a building to God's presence now rests in his people. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, because is anyone just like, well, I don't know what just happened. I've read it, I've heard it, but I need a little bit of clarification. Okay, it's okay to raise your hand if I ask you a question. Sure. Yeah. All right, so we need a little bit of clarification, and we're going to clarify some things tonight. Um, but God's glory uh, is in all his inhabitants. So uh, I'm going to now pause. We've, we, we've heard these stories, and we're going to come back to them in just a second. Uh, but I want to just draw uh, uh, some lines in the sand, okay? Uh, because we, as a church, uh, especially the church in America... When I say we as a church, I'm not talking about Hillside. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Uh, we as a church in America uh, and a lot of places across the world, we have very often, if not outright, forgotten the Holy Spirit. Okay, It is something that is very, very uh, common in the church. The church has forgotten the Holy Spirit. So much so that A.W. Tozer, a great Christian writer, said this, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would still go on and no one would know the difference. This is, I mean, that's harsh. And then he goes on to say this, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped and everyone would have known the difference. Ouch. That is a step on the toes, a kick in the face. It, uh, that's a knockout punch to the church today. 
Okay, that's a church leader, someone of our day and age of the 20th century saying if the Holy Spirit was taken away from the church today, 95% of believers wouldn't even know they were missing anything. They would just go on doing the same thing and they wouldn't know the difference. But if the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit was pulled away, 95% of the things they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. And this is, this is pretty harsh. Jesus told us that it is better that he leaves, okay? Jesus, kind of like the greatest dude who ever walked on the planet, okay? He, uh, he did a lot of miracles, okay? Healed a lot of people. Uh, he died, and then he rose again to save us. And he said, it's better for you that I leave. He says, it's better for you that I go so that the Father may send the helper, the paraclete in Greek, which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And so far be it from us, the church, to forget the very thing that Jesus told us it was better that he leaves for. Right? A.W. Tozer also said this, that if the Holy Spirit were taken from the church, most people in the church, it would take them three months at least to notice any difference. Why is that? Because in our culture today, uh, the, 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 the presence, the operation, and the power of the Holy Spirit has very much been forgotten. And, and, and we're going to talk a lot really about that tonight. But it's, this is kind of, it's, it, it's something I want us to think. If, if it were you, think individually. If the Holy Spirit was removed from you, would you know the difference? Okay? And, and so for some who are like, man, I don't even know really what the Holy Spirit is. Yeah, you probably wouldn't know the difference. You still go to church. You still hear the, hear the Word of God. You still worship. Raise your hands. Can it be taken away? What's that? Can it be taken away? Not yet. Okay, and, 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 and really, no, 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 that's good. It's totally okay to ask questions. Uh, but no, I'm just saying, hypothetically, if it happened, okay, it'd be hard for us um, to know the difference. Uh, we should be connected to the Holy Spirit uh, just like a scuba diver is connected to his oxygen tank, okay? I want you to write that down. We should be connected to the Holy Spirit just like a scuba diver would be connected to his oxygen tank. I'm going to say it one more time because people are coming in the room in the back. Uh, if we were a scuba diver and we had an oxygen tank and you were underneath the water and that oxygen tank was taken away, you would know very quickly that it was impossible for you to breathe underwater. So much so should it be the same if the Holy Spirit were taken away. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the lifeblood and the power of the church. Amen? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard of a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon? Anyone ever heard of Spurgeon before? Okay, Spurgeon uh, is, is a boss. Okay, He lived in the 1800s. Uh, he's one of the greatest preachers in all history. Okay, If you've never listened to, well, you probably haven't been able to listen to, if you've never read any of Charles Spurgeon's sermons, uh, they're amazing. You need to read them. They're good. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest leaders of the church in the 19th century, he wrote this. He said, Oh, brothers, the church is weak today because the Holy Spirit is not upon her members as we could desire it to be. You and I are tottering along like feeble babes. Whereas, had we more of the Spirit, we might walk without fainting, run without weariness, and even mount up on wings like eagles. Oh, for more of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, whom Christ is prepared to give immeasurably unto us, if we are willing to receive. Mm -hmm. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest 
leaders of the church in the 19th century. He said, guys, we're weak. We're feeble. We, we're missing out. We don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, uh, one of the last things he said when he died in 1892 uh, is he prayed that the Lord would send his Holy Spirit to men who were ready to be on fire for God and who were going to do something crazy for the world. Okay, That, that was one of his last prayers. Uh, and something happened in the early 1900s, uh, a fulfillment of a prophecy that we're going to talk about uh, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, but in uh, the Bible, in the book of Joel, there's a prophecy that in the last days, God will once again pour out his spirit among men. And something happened in the 1900s. God, uh, and in the early 1900s, God poured out the Holy Spirit and people began to receive uh, the power from the Holy Spirit again like they did in the early church. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about that briefly tonight, uh, but but we're going to cover that in more depth on a later point. Um, but Spurgeon's prayer was that people uh, would come who were full of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer for us uh, as we uh, go through this study is that we would learn, first and foremost, that we learn. My prayer would be that I learn. My prayer would be, uh, would be that you guys learn. Okay, and that uh, we learn about the Holy Spirit, we learn who the Holy Spirit is, that we embrace the Holy Spirit and what he does in our midst, that we would learn to understand the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's power is to be a witness for Jesus. Okay, so that would be my prayer for you guys. Um, and, and so I'm going to just give you guys this challenge, okay? I want you guys, if you're here, it's a four-week series. If you only come for four weeks in your life to Ecclesia, I want you guys to come for the next four weeks, okay? This being one, so come for the next three. Uh, because we're going to cover some really important things, uh, and I wouldn't want you guys to miss it, okay? Uh, once again, not because I think I have anything good to say, but because I think this is some really important stuff for us and that the body of Christ needs to hear. So I'm going to challenge you guys uh, to come uh, and to hear uh, what this has to say. So now we're going to get into the sermon. That was just the intro, okay? Now we're getting to the sermon. The first point of the sermon, what was the title of the sermon? Does everyone remember what the title of the sermon was? Okay, Forgotten Power. The first point, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to take notes, the first point is we need to fight fire with fire. We need to fight fire with fire. Anyone here in fire sciences in school? Okay, no. Anyone who's a firefighter? Does anyone study to be a firefighter in the room? Oh, yeah, a few of you in the back. That's great. No, you're not. Um, uh, so you need to be able to fight fire with fire. What do I mean? I'm going to explain that in just a second. But before I do so, I want to talk a little bit about forest fires. How many of you guys have ever seen a forest fire before? Okay. How many of you guys have ever been in a forest fire before? Okay, that wouldn't be good. Uh, I, I've been very close to a forest fire before. I've been so close that uh, the the U.S. government said stay inside and lock all your windows because it is toxic to breathe outside. Okay, that's not a very good situation. Forest fires are crazy. We're going to talk a little bit about forest fires. A um, hundred years ago, though, a hundred years ago, uh, forest fires uh, were common, but not too common. A uh, hundred years ago, if there was five million square acres of forest burned, that was that was a lot. Okay, if there was five million square acres, and I don't know if you know anything about forest, but there's a lot more than five million square acres of forest uh, in our country. Okay, uh, and five million square acres, that was a lot. But here's the deal: today, if ten million square acres is burned, uh, that's kind of an average year. Okay, uh, so so do the 
a fire truck just went by. I think yeah. you guys saw it. That was pretty just on time. It's going to a forest fire. Okay, five five million square miles. Okay, uh, five million miles of forest. A uh, hundred years ago was a lot. Ten million today is just average. So using logic, have has the rate of forest fires gone up at all in the last hundred years? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Most. Fire science specialists and ecologists would tell us that we are living in a mega fire time period. Mega forest fires. Mega, okay? Like there's said to be some really big ones that are supposed to happen this year that are kind of just going to wipe out a lot of stuff, okay? We live in a time where there's a lot of forest fires. Remember, we need to fight fire with fire, so it's okay we're talking about forest fires in church. Um, ecologists say there's three main factors that lead to forest fires, okay? The number one factor is there's drought, okay? There's not a lot of water uh, in the section of the United States where forest fires happen all the time, okay? It's getting dry. The second is that people are beginning to live closer to fire-prone areas. People are beginning to live closer to where forest fires happen. And the third thing is uh, we in America have gotten very good at putting fires out. Is that a factor to why there's more fire, uh, forest fires? We've gotten better at putting them out. Here's the deal. There's not enough natural fires going on. Okay? Forest fires are happening more and more and more, and now over the last hundred years, we've gotten better at putting them out. If you've ever seen a fire, like, oh, fire's bad, fire's bad, let's put it out. Okay? I don't like the smell of smoke. Put the fire out. And so we've gotten really good at putting fires out uh, here in America. But forest fires are natural. Okay? They say on any given year, uh, every uh, forest, uh, in, in, in a span of 15 years, every forest will go through a natural forest fire. Whether it's a lightning striking a tree, whether it's a rock falling off of a cliff and hitting another rock and somehow a spark coming out, forests naturally have forest fires. Forest fires are naturally occurring phenomenons. Okay? I was driving through Bryce Canyon, Utah. Anyone ever been to Bryce Canyon before? Okay, I was driving to Bryce Canyon, Utah. Extremely huge forest fire a few miles away. Like flames raging up 100 feet into the sky. Kind of terrifying. And there were giant signs along the freeway saying, Do not call the fire trucks. This is a natural fire. It is a controlled burn. Don't call. We know it's there. We want it to be there. Uh, which is really strange to me. I was like, aren't fires bad? We want to put them out. But fires are actually good for the forest. How many of you guys know anything about forests? Okay, Fires are really good for the forest because as time goes on, trees, limbs die, plants die, and things fall to the ground. How many of you know dead things in the air tend to fall? Okay, And they begin to pile up on the ground. Okay, So what happens is every few years when a forest fire comes through, it burns all that stuff off the ground. But because we've gotten really good at putting out forest fires... That stuff just tends to pile up, pile up, pile up, until when a forest fire hits, there's so much fuel on the ground that the forest fires can't get put out. So what do firefighters have to do? Uh, well, what they do is they fight fire with fire. Okay? They fight fire with fire. Uh, how do they do this? Does anyone know how they fight fire with fire? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They, they do like, well, they have like, they start a little fire and then it goes and then like, I don't know how they do it. I forgot how they You're do it. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. As I met with somebody on a train that was in forest fighting. Yeah. Really interesting. What they do is they set fires purposely. They're called control burns. 
and they set fires on specific times during the year to burn up all the debris. They're controlling it so then when it comes to be forest fire season, there's no fire in the area because all the stuff was burned up. They fight fire with fire. Okay. Now, do you see what I'm kind of doing? Do you guys see the correlations I'm beginning to draw? Uh, God uh, in his presence and his Holy Spirit coming as fire. Okay. Uh, and we need to be able to uh, fight another fire with this fire. What might you think the fire would be that we're fighting? Yeah, no, not quite the world. Sin, yeah, yeah. Satan comes against us. Uh, he wants to destroy us, okay? Uh, Paul tells us that we are extinguishing the fiery darts of the enemy. Okay, we're talking about the fires of sin versus the holy fire of God, okay? And we need to be able to fight fire with fire. Here's some connections I just want us to make. What did I say was the condition of our world when it comes to forest fires today? We are living in a... Mega. Mega, mega fire time. Check this out. Spiritually, we are living in a mega fire time. We are living where sin is extremely rampant. Okay? Where wrong is right and right is now wrong. We're living in a culture and in a time period where the attack on the family unit is happening. The biblical definitions of what a family is is being destroyed. We're seeing uh, how teenagers are now getting involved in crazy things like never before. Um, I read an article just today talking about teenagers and some of the things they do. Uh, it's no longer just super chill uh, to, to smoke weed. Uh, and, and to drink a lot of alcohol. Now it's getting to the point where uh, we're popping pills. Uh, people are doing uh, uh, kinds of ecstasy. People are now smoking alcohol. Did you even know you could smoke alcohol? No, but people are doing it, and it's like putting people in the hospital and putting people in the grave. Okay, people are beginning to drink uh, hand sanitizer. What? Yeah, because if you mix, don't don't try this. Uh, but it's on the internet, so I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, people, people drink hand sanitizer because when you put salt in hand sanitizer, it removes all the other chemicals, and you have 120 proof alcohol, and it legitimately sends you straight to the emergency room. Most people who drink it, they die. Why do they do it? Because they're chasing after something because wrong is now right. Okay? We live in a world where sin is crazy. The fires of this world are on a mega platform. Okay? Crazy things are happening. Uh, in the last... Yeah, but they're getting crazier. Okay? The question is, well, haven't things always been bad? Well, no. They, they've been getting continually worse and continually worse. To the point where now a lot of people, okay, if you were to do a, a poll, about one in four people who are wearing long sleeve shirts are wearing long sleeve shirts because they are covering up the fact that they are cutting themselves, okay? We live in a culture and a society where wrong is now right. Sin is crazy. And this is a very important thing because the fires of this world, I want you guys all to pay attention. Because, because this is important, okay? The fires of this world are getting so crazy, it's time that we need to be able to fight fire with fire, Amen. okay? Uh, and, and, and like we said just a few minutes ago, if the Holy Spirit was taken away from the church today, most people wouldn't even know it was gone. Uh, and that should not be the case. Because the Holy Spirit is the power, it's the lifeblood for the church, and it is what is the witness for Jesus, okay? Churches, most churches are growing immensely outside the United States. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is doing amazing 
amazing things worldwide. But we live in America, which is a great country. It's the greatest country on the planet. Okay, I love America. Okay, but some of the things that have happened in our country and in our culture uh, have dumbed us down to where we feel, or we didn't even know we were missing out on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the devil doesn't have to use uh, things that he uses in third world countries to distract people because we got music, we got TV, we got all different sorts of things that distract us, okay? Uh, and sin is crazy, crazy strong in our world right now. And that fire needs to be fought with fire. What were the three things uh, that uh, lead to forest fires? One is a drought, okay? Uh, we live in a culture uh, that is in a spiritual drought, okay? Yeah, there might be talk of spirituality here and there, here and there. Oh, yeah, all roads lead to heaven. That's great. It's great. Spirituality, that's good. I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God. But we live in a time and a place where there's a drought when it comes to the only way to heaven, which is Jesus. And we live in a time where there's a drought where people have no clue how to get to heaven. And they really don't care. We live in a time where atheism and people who are rejecting God or the existence of a God is growing. We're living in a time uh, spiritually where there's no absolutes. We're living in a time where politically there's no absolutes. Morally, there's no absolutes. There's no truth. It's just whatever works for you is great. Okay, That is a time of drought and it's a time of dryness. And that is the culture. And it's the number one thing that leads to forest fires. And it is leading to forest fires spiritually. Number two thing is people are living close to fire areas. Okay, In our whole analogy here, that would very much point out that people are living very close to sin, if not living fully in sin. Okay, We live uh, in a culture and a society where sin is okay. Uh, you can even go to church. Today, and sin is okay. Sin is not talked about. It's all, ooh, feel good, read this book, make money, woohoo, church. No. Okay? There is very real sin, and it needs to be dealt with. I want you guys to know uh, that we here at Hillside, we're going to deal with sin. We're going to love you. We're going to deal with it in love. But here's the deal. If you're living in sin, you need to change. Right. Not for my benefit. Not for anyone else in the room benefit, but for your benefit. Because sin leads to destruction. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many go down it, but narrow is the road that leads to life. And few will find it. Guys, we live very close to sin. How many of you have a smartphone? You're a click away from sinning. Let's be real. You're a click away. How many of you guys, I mean, just you know the culture we live in. Sin is all around us, and it is very easy. It is very easy. The third reason why forest fires are so strong is because we've gotten very good at putting out fires. And, and what I mean by this uh, is the church uh, over the last hundred years primarily uh, has done a very good job. The church in America has done a very good job uh, at suppressing the fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, mocking it up to be some sort of false thing that's going on, uh, teaching a theology of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, rather than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, our culture in the church, not American culture, church culture in the West has done uh, a lot to suppress the Holy Spirit. Um, so I just want us to think about those things, because we live in a time uh, and a place where sin is crazy. Uh, and the fires of the enemy uh, are very crazy, and we need to learn how to fight fire with fire.
Okay? You guys all getting that? I'm kind of nailing it home. I'm going to say it a few times. Uh, but now the next point. That was the first point. The next point is this. Uh, I, I heard it said, so I had, to, I had to write this. But the devil, the devil cannot burn something that's already burning. Ooh. I'm going to say that again. The devil cannot burn something that's already burning. What do I mean? If you're on fire for Jesus, if you're on fire with the Holy Spirit, the devil, he can't burn you. Okay? We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I want to first talk about how they do it in forest fires. Because sometimes they can fight fire with fire in a controlled burn, burn up all the fuel uh, so the fire can no longer get there. But sometimes you get rogue fires, okay? Fires that you really can't stop, and they're getting huge, and you can't stop them. They're raging, the wind's blowing, fires are going crazy. Firefighters do another thing that's called backfiring. Anyone ever heard the term backfire before? <laughs> okay. Uh, when you think of backfire, what do you think of? What I think of is when I'm having a, a pillow fight, okay, and I'm having a great time pillow fighting, uh, how many of you guys stuff the pillow down at the very end of the pillowcase when you pillow fight? Like, spit it around and you try and like, knock people out? Okay, I've done that before, okay? And when I think of a pillow fight, I think of, uh, like, doing that and, like, spinning it. But how many of you guys know when you sometimes spin pillows and pillow fights, you get, like, too far out of control and you accidentally hit yourself in the face? Anyone ever done that? I've done that. It's not fun. Or like, let's say you have a water balloon, okay? And you're sneaking up on your friend. You're like hiding behind the wall over here. You're like, I got this water balloon. Corey's sneaking around the corner. Right when he gets around the corner, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. But you accidentally grab it too hard and you pop it and it hits you. Any of you ever had that, like a backfire? Okay, yeah, that's the way we use terms. Like when a plan backfires, it kind of like goes back in your face. Um, that's how we use the term now, but that term is really a term from the 1900s that uh, firefighters use. Okay? What a backfire is, is what firefighters will do when there's a huge forest fire raging a few miles away from the fire. What they'll do is they will set up a fire, a line of fire. Okay, they light the line, and then what they do is they have it so the wind's in the right place, and that fire then works its way towards the other fire. And what it does is it burns up all the oxygen, all the fuel, so that when the fires meet... This fire, the raging rogue fire, cannot burn something that's already burning. So what a backfire does is it puts out the bigger fire with its own fire. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like forest fire, uh, uh, forest firefighters are pretty cool dudes. They're pretty smart, uh, and they also do some really good things for us as we're studying God's word. Uh, so you can't burn something that's already burning. The devil can't burn you. John chapter ten tells us that the devil is roaming around like a lion, seeking who he may destroy. Okay? The devil wants to destroy you. Okay? The devil wants to destroy you. Okay? I don't want you guys to be uh, deceived by thinking everything's okay. The devil does want to destroy you. But here's the deal. He can't. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the devil cannot burn something that's already burning. How do I know this with all assurance? Let's take a look at the guy, Peter. Anyone ever heard of Peter before? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Peter, he was an apostle. He was a really good dude, you know. Um, but there was a time before Peter was full of the Holy Spirit and full of the fire. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was living in him, but he wasn't full of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. Uh, but Peter, this is one time, it's a story, maybe you've heard it before, uh, but like Jesus gets arrested, right? Okay, and, and, and Jesus had told Peter, you're going to deny me, okay? So Peter goes, and he's chilling down by a fire, go figure, by a fire, okay? And he's talking to folks, and they say, hey, don't you know Jesus? Yeah, you're one of those guys who was with Jesus. And what does Peter say? He says, no, no, I wasn't. The devil burned me. 
The devil got him down. The devil made him stumble. And he was burned by the devil. <laughs> but then something happens. Okay? Day of Pentecost, we just read about it. Okay? Acts chapter 2, Peter's there in the upper room. And he gets baptized with the Holy Ghost and baptized with fire. Now he's on fire. And something happens again. The devil tries to burn him. Because when they go outside, what are all the people doing who are hearing this thing going on? They're like, oh my goodness, those people must be drunk. They're crazy. What on earth is going on? And Peter had an opportunity there to say, yeah, we're drunk, we're crazy. Or yeah, we have no clue what's going on. But what does he do? He stands up with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and he declares Christ. And 3,000 people give their heart to the Lord there that minute. That's intense. The devil tried to burn him because he burned him before. But now Peter on fire. You can't burn something that's on fire. Okay? And here's the thing. I just want to put this disclaimer out there. Uh, you can have that same fire that Peter had. Okay? You can have that same fire that Peter had. And, and we're going to talk about that here in just uh, a few seconds. Uh, the devil wants to get us down. Uh, and so here's the deal. If you're down and if you're sinning, when you're sinning and you want to stop sinning, start serving. When you want to start worry, uh, or when you want to stop worrying, start worshiping. When you want to start uh, uh, having uh, victory, when you want to stop failing, start fellowshipping. Okay? When the devil tries to burn you, he can't burn something that's on fire uh, for the Lord. So here's the deal. How do we get this fire? Okay, well, the Bible tells us pray and seek. Ask God. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. They were praying and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's what we're going to do. Because you guys probably see a whiteboard up here and it doesn't make sense fully, okay? And I know I only got a few more minutes. So we're going to pause and we're going to shift. We're going to shift away from the forest fire analogy. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, some beliefs because in the church, uh, there's, there's divisions. How many of you guys knew in the church there's divisions, okay? We just disagree on some things, okay? It's really goofy and I don't understand why we do. Uh, but there's a group of people who, when I said we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, you got all like super happy. You're like, woohoo, like this is crazy. Like I've been waiting to talk about the Holy Spirit. Good times. Let's like uh, bust out the banners and start dancing like crazy kind of stuff, right? Okay. And then there's another group who like the Holy Spirit. All right, let's pack the bags. We're kind of done. Uh, I like this place before, but now we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, let's get out of here, okay? Uh, there's really two different kind of camps. Okay, and, and these camps have really formed uh, over the history of the church. So, uh, can you guys all see this on the board? No, it's not my attempt at drawing the matrix. Um, but this right here, you guys can all see, uh, this is Acts chapter 2. This is the Holy Spirit being poured out, okay? And this is now a timeline of the church, okay? When we get to here, uh, it, it is when the church was uh, established as a state religion, uh, and something happened there, because throughout the New Testament and throughout the first few centuries of Christianity, uh, people believed in the operations of the Holy Spirit and, and, and believed that the Holy Spirit was very active in what they were doing. But then something kind of came to be uh, when people started thinking for themselves and they started philosophizing things, uh, and the Holy Spirit is no longer uh, important to them. Uh, it was important to a few people, and these little circles on here represent times throughout history where someone uh, operated in the, the the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. People are like, okay, that person's a little bit crazy, whatever. Uh, then something happened called the Reformation. Anyone ever hear, heard of the Reformation before? Okay, it's when Protestantism broke away from Catholicism. 
Uh, if you did not know you're a Protestant, you are a direct lineage of the Reformation. Just wanted to let us all know that. Uh, we're not Catholic. We love our Catholic brothers, but we're not Catholic. Um, and so these folks went here, and there's a lot of different denominations in Christianity that branched off since the Reformation. This bigger circle right here represents something that happened in the 1800s. It was called the Great Awakening. Uh, it was when uh, people started preaching revival again and started crying out for the Holy Spirit. Guys like uh, uh, George Whitfield, um, Charles Wesley, uh, John Wesley, okay, uh, Charles Spurgeon, some really important people. We've talked about some of them today. Um, and, and they were preaching for revival, and they were wanting the church to turn back to the way it was in the first uh, century. Uh, and then something happened in the early 1900s, and it was that fulfillment of the prophecy in Joel that we talked about, where the Holy Spirit was poured out again and uh, at a place called Azusa Street. There was the Azusa Street Revival, and people started speaking in tongues again, like it was Acts chapter 1. And people were like, whoa, what's going on? These people are crazy. And some people were like, wow, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And so at that moment, most of these folks from the Reformed background, Lutherans and whatnot, they all kind of went down this route, okay? And they ended up over here. And then all the crazy Pentecostals and Charismatics, hallelujah, that's what we are, which is fun. They went this way, okay? Uh, and then in the 60s, another thing happened, uh, which was the Charismatic Renewal, and they joined us over in this circle, okay? So we got two circles that represent the church, okay? They have two differing ideas, and so here we go. This is that little section right there, uh, zoomed in, okay? Can everyone see this? Okay, and on one half, you have a group of people who believe that the gifts and the operations of the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit have continued throughout history. Since the time the Holy Spirit was promised and the disciples received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these folks believe and uh, continue to believe that the Holy Spirit is working today still the same way it operated in the first century. So that group would be called those who believe in continuity. A Sean is um. Everyone say continuationism. Continuationism. <laughs> yeah, you came to church and now you're in Bible school. Crazy stuff, okay? And then there's another group. There's another group that is called not quite non-continuationism, but their group that is called cessationism. Everyone say cessationism. cessationism. Coming from the root word, for those of you guys who know, uh, the root word cease. That being that the Holy Spirit's operations and giftings and manifestations uh, ceased in the first century. Okay, uh, And we're going to talk about this because these are two very mainstream, they're the only two mainstream uh, Christian doctrines and ideas when it comes to these things. Okay, One, the Holy Spirit still works today. Uh, the other one, no, he stopped. Okay? And uh, we're going to talk about these guys a little bit in the next few weeks, uh, the, the continuationists. Um, we are a church, Hillside Christian Fellowship, uh, is a church that believes in the operations and the giftings of the Holy Spirit. I very much believe in them and I operate in them, but that's okay. We're going to talk about those people later on because um, there's been some crazies in that group. And I say crazies very uh, literally. There's been some people who have blamed some things on the Holy Spirit. I don't say attribute to the Holy Spirit. I say blame things on the Holy Spirit that are very not, uh, very much not from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, some things that are very blatantly uh, not biblical but have been attributed to the Holy Spirit. Uh, and there's been an abuse and a misuse of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk a little bit tonight about those who are in the cessationist camp. 
Some of you might be in there. That's totally okay. Um, we're going to change you. Uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to change you. That's all right. Um, but I want to direct our attention right now to the, to the cessationist group. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the other ones later. Because this group uh, tends to, uh, this group right here, tends to bash this group for their abuse. Write it out here. Abuse of the Holy Spirit. But I want to just make a point, and this is our third point we're going to cover tonight. And, and this is what it is. I'm going to write it out so you guys can copy it. And it's that neglect is also abuse. When you neglect the Holy Spirit and you don't believe the Holy Spirit is real and operating, that's also an abuse of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So to the group that does not believe uh, the Holy Spirit is operating today, uh, that is an abuse also. And I want us to think about the term abuse. When you think of abuse, what do you think of? Be honest. Tic-tac-toe. I don't know about that. Take advantage of. Uh, I mean, like, to me, when I hear the word abuse, I think of a husband beating his wife. Okay? Or a man beating his children. Okay? Does that sound like abuse? Yeah, that's abuse. Okay? Uh, and so, would you all agree with me that a man beating his kids, that's bad? That's horrible. Is a man abandoning his kids bad? Yeah. Yeah. Okay? So, physical abuse is bad, and emotional abandonment is bad. Okay? Abuse and misuse, bad. Neglect, bad. Okay? So, when you neglect the Holy Spirit... And what it's doing, uh, it's bad. And that's what I'm saying is this group who believes that the Holy Spirit's operations and giftings have stopped. And, and, and they base this off of some biblical references. Okay, I think it's very loose. Uh, but there's some very smart people out there who, who make these arguments. So I'm not going to bash anybody. Okay, uh, But they're wrong uh, because the Bible says so. Uh, and, and there's some misinterpretation of the Bible, and that's okay for them, uh, but I don't think it's okay for the church because they've gotten good at putting out fires. And what, what happens when you're good at putting out fires? Uh, forest fires happen. And when we're talking about forest fires, we're talking about sin. And so sin and evangelism in the United States has gone down because the Holy Spirit has been stifled. Hide it under a bushel? No. No, but people in the group that are cessationists, they say hide it under a bushel. Yeah, it ain't even real. Okay, uh, and so it's it, it's it's a problem, um, but there's two extremes. Okay, uh, there's the crazy people jumping and swinging from chandeliers and doing crazy stuff, break dancing in the front because they're full of the Holy Spirit feet, right? Okay, uh, that's crazy, and they're on one end, and then there's the other end uh, who is by the books, like they're so hard faced they don't even know what's going on. Uh, and you got two extremes. Uh, but what I want to propose to us um, is that we join uh, the radical middle, okay? Uh, the radical middle. Because what some people, and actually most people who are part of these groups, what they would say is that cessationists would say that continuationists forget about all doctrine. Which in some cases, in the extreme cases, is very true. Okay? But these folks... Continuationists would say that the cessationists have lost all inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they they've both got some things to say. I would 
say to you guys, and this is what I believe and what I think y'all should believe as well, uh, because I think it's biblical, that doctrine is very key, okay? And we need to pay very close attention to doctrine, like these guys do. But also, the Holy Spirit is very key, and he is very alive and active in the church today, which is what these guys say. So what we do is we form the middle, which is probably the group that is closest to what the Bible has to say. Are we ever going to be perfect? No, we're humans. Not until we get to heaven are we going to be perfect. Are both groups Christian? Yes. Are both groups going to go to heaven? Well, yes. If they put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us they're going to go to heaven. But the Holy Spirit is very important, okay? And both groups have things to say about the Holy Spirit. This is what Martin Luther said. How many of you guys have ever heard of Martin Luther before? A uh, very important, influential figure uh, in the Reformation. And he said this. And it's like a drunk man who gets on a horse to ride. One moment, he gets on the saddle, and he falls off into a ditch on one side. And he gets back up, climbs up on the horse, and the second he gets up on the saddle, he falls off the saddle into a ditch on the other side. Here's the deal. The devil doesn't care what ditch you fall in. He just doesn't want you on the saddle. Okay? There's two extremes. God wants us to ride the horse on the saddle. Okay? And so, as we're going through this study, I want us to, to really think about riding the balance. Yeah, there's crazies on one side and there's crazies on the other. There's crazies in everything. Okay? Uh, but God wants us to be uh, normal. God wants us to, to follow him. Okay? Uh, and, and, and so, we're really going to break this down. But the last point that I really want to bring uh, forward uh, is, uh, I'm talking about all this, and it might be over you guys' heads. I don't know if I've done a good job. I hope I have. Uh, but the Holy Spirit uh, in a lot of times when it's talked about just goes over people's heads. And I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, that's not an advanced course in Christianity. Okay, You don't have to be like a Christian of a certain amount of months or days or weeks or years uh, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, It's not a thing where it's like, okay, you've been a Christian this long, now you're eligible. Okay, It's not an elective in Christianity. Okay, It is for all People, anyone who believes will receive. And then so some people are like, well, yeah, but you have to go through this class, this new believers class, and all these things. No, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When Peter goes to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, look at Acts chapter 10. When Peter goes to Cornelius' house, he prays for them, and that moment they give their heart to the Lord, and they baptize with the Holy Spirit right then and there. So there's no like, there's no like time period uh, that's necessary. Here's the deal. Uh, how do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we receive this second blessing? We're going to talk about that more to come, but here's the deal. Uh, most of the times, and I want to close with this, I want to close with this, uh, it's not a problem of God not giving it, okay? Uh, all the time it's a problem of us not asking, okay? Luke chapter 10 tells us that we have a father uh, who cares for us, okay, our worldly fathers. If we were to ask them for a stone, I mean, uh, bread when we're hungry, uh, they're not going to give us a stone. They're going to give us bread, okay? How much more is our father going to give us the things that we ask for, okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when we ask the Lord, and we're willing, and we're receiving. God, I'm ready to, 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 to receive this, okay? Uh, so I want us to think about that. I'm going to have Bo come back up. Bo's going to play the guitar in the background as we close. Um, but, but, but maybe you're hearing all this and you're just like, whoa, I'm really confused. 
Uh, that's okay. We're, we're going to nail this stuff out uh, in, in the next three weeks. But here's the thing. Uh, maybe for some of you, the question, uh, the question is not, uh, am I baptized with the Holy Spirit? Okay? Because that's a question Christians ask. Am I baptized with the Holy Spirit? Maybe that's not the question uh, that you need to be asking. Maybe the question is, uh, is the Holy Spirit even living in me? Okay? Do I even have the Holy Spirit? And here's the deal. The Bible tells us, Jesus himself said, when you receive me, my Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, okay? So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit, okay? Now there's a second power that we're going to talk about in just a little bit, uh, like in the next few weeks. But if you've never, ever given your heart to the Lord, you're like, man, I don't even know if i got the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to give an opportunity every time the gospel is preached, anytime the Bible's open, uh, for people to give their heart to the Lord, okay? Uh, and, and I'm looking around the room, and I know most of you, um, and, and but I don't know you guys all super well. Uh, so I'm going to just ask you guys to do I'm going to ask you all to stand, if that's okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes. And I really want you guys to do this. I want you to close your eyes. Uh, and then this is going to be a time between between you and God. And uh, uh, maybe you're hearing all this, and you're like, ah know what's going on, but that's okay. Uh, I know I want Jesus, and I know I just want the Holy Spirit inside me. I don't know about the power yet. I'm going to learn more about that in the weeks to come. But if you have never given your heart to the Lord before, uh, and, and you've never made the decision, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you the opportunity. So that's you. With every head bowed, uh, every eyes closed across the room. Everybody. And, and um, I mean that. I want all eyes closed. Uh, if, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, and you're like, uh, tonight, I want to make the decision to follow Jesus. If that you, uh, just let me know by raising your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, maybe you're here and you've heard the gospel before, uh, but you're like, man, I'm not living for Jesus right now. Uh, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit in me. I'm getting pretty close to the forest fires of this world. I'm living pretty close. I'm living in the fire right now. Uh, and I want to have the power to overcome that. Uh, but I want to just know that I know that I got God inside me, that I got the Holy Spirit, that Jesus has saved me. If that's you and you just want to know for sure that you're saved, uh, and that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven, and you want to rededicate your heart to the Lord tonight, uh, let me know just by raising your hand. Solid, solid. I see those hands. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible tells us uh, in Romans that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It tells us just a few verses earlier that if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. So just as a statement of faith tonight, I just want you guys to declare as a group, repeat after me, we're just going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. So repeat after me, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's do it one more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you truly believe that, you declare that with your mouth and you believe in your heart, then you are saved. And you can know for sure that if you leave this place tonight and some misfortune and event happened and you died, that you will stand before God in heaven. And that's cool. And that's cool. And that means the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of you. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. And that's awesome. And as we continue to go in the next few weeks in this study, we're going to learn about what the power of the Holy Spirit is and how we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to do amazing, amazing things. But 
I'm going to ask the question also with every head bowed and every eyes closed. If, if, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you haven't received the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about it in the next few weeks, but if that's something you want, just let me know by raising your hand because we're going to pray and we're going to believe together. So if, if the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something you want, just let me know by raising your hand. Solid. Solid. All right, well, we're going to pray. The Holy Spirit fills this place and gives us power. Uh, and then we're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. Uh, and I'm believing that God's going to do some pretty cool things. But I'm just going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you guys to agree with me. And then we're going to go into this song one more time. But let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. Uh, God, we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you for your son. Uh, God, we thank you that we have salvation through what Jesus did. His life, his death, and his resurrection. God, we thank you that Jesus said it's better that he should go so that we could have the Holy Spirit, God. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us, God. And we thank you that you promised that we would receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon us, that we would be witnesses. And so, God, we just pray for each and every single person in this room, for those who raise their hand, for maybe those who were too timid to raise their hand. God, we pray that the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire, would fill us in this place tonight, Lord God. And God, that as we seek you and as we ask you for the giftings and the operations and the manifestations of your Spirit, God, that you would grant us the desires of our heart. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and active today. God, we thank you that we have power in your name because of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we just pray that as we continue to go through this series, God, that you would guide our hearts, uh, God, that you would guide our minds, uh, God, and we would learn what it means to truly follow you. So, God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Let's sing. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up. Never runs out.